It's good to see each one of you here this morning. I'd like to welcome you to Central Baptist Church. And I hope you came to be a blessing and receive a blessing. And if you will, let's get a songbook and find a place in there and uh, turn first of all to number 40. Number 40, are you washed in the blood? That's the question. Are you washed in the blood? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? In the blood of the Lamb, are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you what in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you what in the blood of the Lamb? Are you what in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are you guard? Spotless are they white as snow? Are you white in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be white of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be white in the blood of the Lamb. Are you white in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb, are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? All right, let's go over now to number 57, number 57 at Calvary. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burden so found liberty. By God's word at last my sin I learned, then I tremble at the law I'd spurn, till my guilty soul imploring turned to Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me, there my burden soul found liberty. Now I give to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my rapture soul can only sing of Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my 
Shake hands with someone around you there. Tell them it's good to see you today. Good morning. Welcome to Central Baptist Church Sunday School Hour. We welcome you. Um, uh, we will, uh, a couple of announcements here this morning. Um, first of all, Thursday is chair volleyball. So tighten up your laces, get your war paint ready. Um, next Sunday, following the evening service, we will be having a fellowship dinner. So please, please bring lots of your yummy favorite dishes. I'm going to say the wrong constant sound there. And six weeks from today is big day, so this gives us plenty of time to get the word out and invite lots of people, and not only invite lots of people, um, we have some um, invitations in the vestibule, so get ready for that. Um, also, it gives us plenty of time to make sure we bathe that event in prayer. Uh, so, uh, any birthdays this week? Any anniversaries this week? Brother Mickey, are you just coming down? Just come down. Okay, gotcha. Okay. All right. TMI. All right. If we would go ahead and have our ushers come. Let's be in prayer. Um, continue to pray for our pastor, Mrs. Wiggins, um, Brother Dowdy, um, Brother King. Emmanuel did have his surgery Friday a week ago. And he got a good report when he went back this past week. 
and um, he actually went on um, went out got out of the house um, yesterday um, so he's um, he's doing better so we'll continue to pray that he doesn't do something um, crazy and um, get you know backtrack but he keeps on going going forward um, if we could uh, uh, brother Smith would you pray over offering this morning brother um, um, Jeremy my mind went blank I was trying to I forgot I forgot my list um, this morning but I wanted to give you an update on brother Arthur he um, contacted he seems to be doing well and is at home so continue to pray for brother Arthur that he gets back to us soon all right good morning welcome to Sunday school I just told him I forgive him for forgetting my name all right we're in Galatians chapter 6. Once again, as we continue on, Galatians chapter 6. I actually, <clears throat> one of the things I'm finding out, when I've been asked to teach before, I was, I was kind of given a topic or a, was just, I was just filling in as kind of a one-time thing or, you know, every, when the pastor was gone or whatever. So you kind of just pick something or the pastor will give you something, and, and so I haven't had a chance to just go straight through a, a book like this, an epistle in particular, and one thing you realize is that as you come, there's, especially in this last chapter, the Apostle Paul starts listing things, you know, and, and we talk about how um, when we're walking in the Spirit, we're filled with the Spirit, we're manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, how we interact with each other in, in the midst of the, the assembly or the midst of the church. Uh, is kind of this this last chapter, so he's kind of lining things out, and they, they do relate. Um, but if you take too too many verses and try to do too many verses, you end up teaching three or four different subjects, and and it doesn't really. I don't think it's as helpful or practical. So, all that to say that this morning we're going to focus on verse two, chapter six, verse two. And uh, of course, as I said, we're talking about these relationships, what they're supposed to be like within the, the local church, and uh, we, we finished chapter 5, which uh, he gives the instruction not to be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another, um, and then we, we talk about restoring a brother or sister who are overtaken in a fall. That's in verse 1. Um, 
and, and that overtaking is a, something that just happens. You know, we're all susceptible to that. You let your guard down for a minute and you fall into sin. And, and we, uh, we uh, explain that restoration, uh, and, and I thought uh, pastors, a Sunday evening message. about bitterness and uh, forgiving folks and, and of course uh, that's always on the table we're, we're always looking to forgive whether somebody repents or not is you know forgiveness is there however restoration to the assembly to the, to the body of Christ is uh, there, there, there needs to be repentance there needs to be uh, a change uh, we can't bring sin back in and so um, they, they do interrelate uh, in, in that way um, but they are different you know, a lot of people talk about restoration as if it's forgiveness, and it's not the same thing. So, um, so we're in verse two, uh, and let me let me go ahead and read it, and then I'll pray. Father, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, six two. Bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I started praying before I read it, but let me start now. Father, we thank you for this day and for your many blessings to us. Lord, I ask for your help this morning. Uh, I, I confess to you that I'm not, uh, I don't feel capable or worthy to, to teach what I'm about to teach, and, uh, but it, I feel that it is what you've laid on my heart, and I just ask that you would hide me behind the cross, help now uh, as, as we learn, and, and uh, I pray that our hearts would be tender and, and receptive to your word. Lord, uh, I thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for your grace and, and your mercy, for your comfort, for your help, in every trial that we go through. We love you, Lord. We thank you and praise you for everything that you'll do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Apologize for that. Uh, so uh, as we read verse 2, we're, we're talking about bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Um, all of you are familiar with live oak trees. We've got about a million of them down here. I think these are live oaks along, along the road here. Um, and I've had them in my yard before, and they are you're trying to have a nice green lush yard of grass they are the bane of your existence uh, I, I had two or three clustered together in a yard when we lived up in Crestview and I, I raked those leaves probably like four or five times a year and you can't just it's not like when I grew up in the Midwest we had these big leaves on the ground that you just rake into piles and you can pick them up and the oak leaves are they don't even get caught up by the rake half the time so uh, they can be difficult to deal with but the thing about live oaks is uh, they, they, this was really demonstrated during Hurricane Katrina over in uh, Louisiana, in New Orleans. Uh, with all the wind and the rain and the flooding and all that stuff, uh, they, a lot of the trees fell down, except for the live oaks. Most of the live oaks survived that, that storm, and they're very old. They're very old trees, and, and, and yet they survived, and some newer trees didn't survive. Of different kinds and the reason for that is because uh, live oaks they don't have a tap root like a normal tree so they don't they don't have a root that goes down and kind of branches off a little bit uh, their roots actually spread out laterally and they 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 tend to grow in clusters and their roots intertwine with one another and so the roots of the live oak tree intertwine with one another so they're connected in a way and they can bear the burden of the storm and, and, and I think that's a good analogy for how we're to be in, in the local church, that we're, we're to bear each other's burdens. As it says here, bear ye one another's burdens, 
Uh, bear ye here, the idea of the word is to remove it. It's to, you're removing the burden. You're, you're removing the burden from someone. We ought to bear these burdens with compassion as if it's our own burden. Um, we get caught up in our own lives a lot, and, and we can get a lot uh, inward focused. And, you know, we've got our own stuff to deal with. But it's amazing how when you start to take an interest or to bear another's burden, when you, when you allow yourself to have compassion, to listen to their story, to, to see what they've got going on, and, and you kind of take that upon yourself, uh, it, it does, in a strange way, help you bear your own burden. And, and, and you can share with them, and they can help bear your burden as well. But it's, it's taking, it's not just listening, it's not just kind of passively uh, saying, okay, you know, I, I want to be there and kind of, it's not being able to lean on somebody, I guess. It's, it's more that you're taking that load, that you're, you're, you have compassion and understanding and you're taking that load uh, from off of them. And so, so we see this in Jesus Christ who bore our sins on the cross. They weren't his. Uh, the, 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 our sins were nailed to the cross along with him. He, he shed his blood for us on our behalf in our place. So then we, we get to burden, and, and burden is not just a weight, but it's something that's weighing you down. It's not just, it's not just that you're carrying something heavy. It's, it's, uh, it's like carrying something while walking through the mud. It's something that, that, that you're in some, something viscous or something that, that's going to sink down and, and trap you. And, and not only that, but you're trying to walk through it with this thing sinking you down. Imagine that. Um, carrying, carrying things even, even in deep sand or something like that can be just very burdensome. It's just extra, it's, it's, but it's heavy and it's weighing you down. It's pressing on you. So you've got the, the issues of, of this soft uh, foundation underneath and then the, the burden of the weight above pressing you down. And, and it can be very tiresome and, and, and it can make us weary. And if we look at verse 1 to the context, for the context, the, the emphasis is the burden of sin and temptation. In, in verse 1 again, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. We'll get into this a little more with temptation, but t- tempting is uh, testing or, or, or trying. Um, that's, that's usually the context that it's using. Tempting is uh, something that gets your attention off of something to go in the wrong direction or to get your attention onto something uh, to go in the right direction. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into that a little more as we go. So there, there's a lot of pitfalls out there, and, and we are tempted or tried daily in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and, and there's two primary types of temptation, trials, or testing. Uh, the first one is the temptation or trial with evil. And, and this is, this is uh, the satanic temptation. This is straight from the devil. Uh, we discussed this last week, James chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So th- this means that God never puts you in a situation where, where you're tempted to do evil. He, God doesn't do that. Th- those temptations don't come from God. That, uh, the example I have here, and, and there's many throughout the Bible, but uh, God did not place Potiphar's wife in the situation with Joseph. When, when, when he went up, to, he was doing his job, he was doing work, and Potiphar's wife was there, and, and that, that temptation to sin was not placed there by God. Now, Joseph had the appropriate response. He resisted and he ran. That's, that's how we should treat sin, is to get out of there, get away from it. 
Um, but, but that w- did not come from God. That, that was a satanic temptation trying to derail real, really the line of Jesus Christ. Uh, but he was trying to destroy the testimony of Joseph. Um, and he probably had an idea, you know, Satan's not omniscient like God is, but he probably had a pretty good idea that being in the line of uh, Isaac, Jacob, uh, and Abraham, that he, he was someone that he wanted to derail and, and, and ruin. So the, the Bible calls this temptation common to man. This is that, that temptation to do evil. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says that there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. And I'm aware that we, we've covered a little bit of this. Uh, it does intertwine, like I said, w- with the rest of the, the verses, but um, we're going to drill down a little bit more into this. So this, this temptation, no t- ha- there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Uh, the, that phrase common to man means after the manner of men. So this is something that all mankind experiences. This is not unique to, to Christians. Uh, this is everybody is faced with this temptation because we live in a body of flesh, whether you're saved or unsaved. It's this, this temptation to do evil that's common to man. Uh, but the difference is that if you're not saved, if you're unregenerate, if you've never been born again, you don't have any power to resist it. That doesn't, that's not to say that people can't resist doing one or two things, but you cannot continually resist sin the way that a Christian can because you're not empowered to do so. You're a slave to sin when you're not born again. But God gives us the power to resist these common temptations. That's the rest of the verse in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful. I like those but gods. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So when we're saved, God enables us to escape temptation. Uh, and, and just let me say that it's not a sin to be tempted. It's the, the temptation itself is not a sin. It's, it's a sin to feed into that desire, uh, which causes you to be drawn away of your own lust and enticed. And we, we talk about that in uh, James 1, 14. Uh, we just read that. Um, I, in, in, one of the, in one of Ironside commentaries, and this is just paraphrased, but he, he says that it's not your fault if a bird lands on your head but it is your fault if you let him build a nest there. So, you know, that, that is, that's, so the temptation is not a sin. The, 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 the you know, you, the, the glance, that one look, you see something that you're not supposed to look at and you move on with your day and you don't dwell upon those things in your mind. Uh, that, can, that, that dwelling, that, that lust, when that engages and you start to move that direction, that's that, you're letting that bird build a nest. Um, and you're, you're giving place to the devil. So 1 Peter 5 calls these the, the same afflictions accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Uh, and God enables us to resist. Uh, and this is the means of escape or exit. So he, when God gives us a way to escape. It's not just here's the trap door. You can just, you have, to, there's resisting that's involved. This is spiritual warfare. Um, there, there's not, uh, it, it's not like the, you're getting an out necessarily. You do have to resist. You have to resist the temptation. You have to, to do that. But God gives you the power to do that, and so you can escape it. So we're talking about resisting, and that, that's, uh, that's that spiritual warfare. And that, I took that from 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, uh, which we all know this ver- these verses. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith 
knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So resisting the devil involves submission, and we discussed that, that that's the key to walking in being filled with the Spirit. We, we went through all that, that submission. James 4, 7, uh, you know, backs this up. It says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So you have to submit to be able to resist. You have to resist to be able to escape. Does everybody follow me? So, so it, it, without submission, without, without uh, and we talk about, you know, letting that, the Holy Ghost uh, have full reign of your life. If, you, if, you're, if you've got one room or one corner that's reserved, uh, then, then you're not submitting. You're not submitting, and that, that's a foothold for, for Satan right there. He can get to you through that, that area that's not submitted in your lives, and you can never be spirit-filled without that. And so you, you might have issues resisting. You will have issues resisting. So what does this have to do with bearing one another's burdens? A lot of this is going to be laying some groundwork and then giving kind of a, an idea or a thought uh, of, of bearing one another's burdens. Um, it's, it's because that the, the, the thought there in First Peter chapter 5 that we, we battle the same afflictions accomplished in our brethren. We have uh, this, this camaraderie in the battle. It, it's a battle. It's a, it's a resistance battle spiritually. It's not with flesh and blood. Uh, it's beyond that, it, but it's very present, and it's, in, it's daily, and it's constant, and when you think you stand, you better be careful. You know, it, it, the, the devil is right around the corner uh, waiting, and of course, we know that the devil is not omnipresent. It's probably his minions, his, his demons, but just as a general term, we can say devil. Uh, but, you know, veterans can identify with this. Anybody, anywhere I go, uh, church, work, whatever, uh, if you find out someone's a veteran, there's just something different there. There's a, there's a camaraderie there. doesn't matter really the branch of the service. Um, I don't know about Space Force. I don't know any Space Force people. That, that might be different, but no. Uh, but we, there's a camaraderie there. there. There's a kinship there because we've experienced a lot of the same things. We've gone... No matter what you did in the military, you've gone through some type of trial. You've gone through some type of testing, um, whether it's a physical test and basic training and that thing, and some are harder than others. I get that, but it, there's, a, there's a kinship there. there, that there it's similar there. And, 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 and if, if guys, if you, you may notice, and, and my brother was a combat veteran. I'm not a combat veteran. I flew above it one time, but I, I wasn't in it. I never got, you know, that involved uh, while I was active duty, but um, guys that are combat veterans, my brother has a very strong connection with guys he was in battle with. It, it's it's uh, almost it's almost a closer bond than me and him have as as blood brothers, as as biological brothers. There's there's something there that uh, is intangible that that you you know because they've experienced those those hardships, they've experienced the horror of of battle of of losing friends. Uh, to, to the enemy and things like that. So th it's different. And as Christians, we, we should, and I don't want to minimize any of that by any means, but there is a spiritual battle going on. We do have those overtaken in faults. We do have people that, that are overwhelmed and consumed and defeated uh, by sin day in and day out, especially in this world where we have access to everything. Uh, you, can, you can, in the privacy of your home, on, your, on a device, you know, a tiny phone, even on a, a watch, you can see anything you want to see, anything. I mean, you, you anything that you could imagine, you can Google and you can. There's they have 
this thing called the dark web. You can, you can get on these things, and you can, anything your mind could imagine, you can do. The, the worst depravity known to man can be done in the privacy of your own home, and you have no accountability to other people. Um, that's the day we're living in. And, and so there's a battle being, waging a spiritual battle. Temptations abound, and we need to see each other as, as battle buddies. We need to see each other as, as comrades in arms here because we, we're all going through this same thing. We're all going through the battle. We're all going through the struggle, and we should have that camaraderie. We should have that kinship, and that brings comfort. I can tell you as a veteran and the other guys that are veterans, when you show up somewhere and you know no one, when you don't know anything about anybody, it's comforting to have to know there's a couple of veterans there I at least can identify with something about these guys. We should have that comfort when we come into the church house. It ought to, it ought to be, uh, there ought to be that camaraderie and that kinship, just like uh, the veterans have. But, but we know from the context here that Paul's instructing the Galatians that there are times when a brother or sister is overtaken in a fault. And, and so we know that we're to restore that one in a spirit of meekness because we can identify with that temptation. We understand the battle so that we can, we can understand that, yeah, he, they got him. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't ready. He wasn't spiritually prepared, and that's on him and whatever. But we understand that could happen to me too. I have those lapses. I have those times where I can't, uh, I, I'm, I'm not in the right mindset. And if Satan was there in that moment when I was feeling that way, boom, I could, I could fall just like anybody else. And we, we can identify with that. We can, we can have sympathy we know we're not. We know we're not above that fall. So the, the burden that, that we bear in this case is not the, the burden, not the it's not the sin itself. But it, but this is someone like I said. Who's, we're talking about restoring someone. They're repentant. They're heartbroken over their sin. Um, th- we're talking about bearing the burden of what sin brings. You see, we know that the end of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. Um, but it says when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. We, we've read that verse as well in James, but that in-between part, when, when you get into sin, when you're overtaken in a fault, you end up with, there's a lot of shame. There, there's a lot of embarrassment. There, there's, there's a lot of effects. Sin has consequences that are before death. Death is the end of it. And, and in some cases, death is probably the best part of it in a way because the things that people end up dealing with throughout their life can be very torturous, and, and, and there's a lot of turmoil, particularly for a Christian. Um, and so you have the, these, the hurt and the shame, and we're supposed to help bear, understand that this person's embarrassed, this person's ashamed. They're, the, the, you know, as we restore them, we, we are supposed to bear that burden with them. And as David said when he confessed his, his sin with Bathsheba in Psalm 51.3, he says, For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. He, he wasn't good. It's going to be a while before he gets it off his mind. And, and the effects of that sin in his life, you can go through the life of David and see the, the turmoil and the pain and the heartache that that sin caused him and his family. And, and so we, can, we should help bear those burdens. Those, those things, they're going to deal with that. There's things that are going to happen because of that sin. We should be there as we restore to bear those burdens. So... Uh, we, we, have to be, we have to be humble to do that. We have to know that we're susceptible to those things. But the daily battle with temptation to sin, that's a burden as well. And, and Satan, he wants each of us to think we're on our own uh, with regard to temptation. It, and and that's, 
it's kind of a shameful thing to say, well, I struggle with that, or, you know, you don't hear that a lot, because we feel alone, we feel like we're the only ones. In order to truly fulfill the command to bear one another's burdens, we have to let our guard down a little bit. We, we have to acknowledge the things that tempt us. Uh, in James chapter 5, it says, confessing your faults one to another. When was the last time we did that? I mean, that's hard, right? We, well, that's not natural for us. We want to guard those things. We, don't, we want to walk into the church house and have everyone around think that we're fine. I'm not struggling with anything. I'm not talking about being in sin. I'm talking about that, that weight of temptation, that the, the daily issues, the daily struggles that we, we deal with uh, with regard to sin. Uh, we, all, we all struggle, but Satan wants us to think we're alone. Uh, and, and the fact is that we're not alone. We all struggle with pride. We all struggle with selfishness. Uh, we're constantly in a battle with our own flesh, constantly, constantly. Uh, I, I was reading about Vince Lombardi, and I heard somebody say, uh, I can't remember what it was, it was on ESPN documentary years ago that I saw, and, and they, they claim, Vince Lombardi, if you don't know, he's the, the Green Bay Packers coach, and I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence, but I, I, I wasn't born at that time, but they, they dominated the 1960s, and the, the main play that they used was, the, the, or the main strategy was this Packers sweep or the Lombardi sweep. And it really changed the whole game of football. But I, I heard something a long time ago watching a documentary, and, the, and one of the guys that played against them or something said he, they ran the same three plays all the time, and they won Super Bowls doing it. Everybody knew what they were going to do, but they just did it anyway, and they were helpless to stop it. They couldn't resist it. And that's how Satan is. You know, he's got... Satan, he wants us to think that it's different for us. It's not the same, you know, that this is different for me than it is for, for anybody else. I, you know, nobody understands, and, and that's what he wants you to think. But the fact of the matter is, he has the same playbook for everybody. It's, it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, right? It's the same playbook. He just knows that it works every time on everybody. And he, can, he gets us thinking that we're the only ones going through this, and we're not. It, it, we're going through it together but oftentimes we want to isolate ourselves, and, and, and he likes that. Uh, we're, we're deceived into feeling isolated. And uh, so we, we can look and see that these temptations are common to man. They're the same afflictions, but we have a hard time openly, openly admitting that we're struggling. We're, we're burdened down with the weight of temptation. So, so the second type of temptation, that's the first type, the temptation uh, to do evil, which God doesn't tempt us to do evil, like we said, but... The second type of temptation is, is the tempting, testing, or trying of our faith. And, and this is how God throughout history tests his people. I'm going to read a few verses here. Um, and you don't have to turn there. If you want to, you can. Um, I'm, going to I'm going to be having to pick up the pace here in a second. So I'm going to go ahead and read them. But James chapter 1, uh, 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into, into diverse temptations, knowing that this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. First Peter 1, 7 through 9, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. Romans 5, 3 through 5, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So temptation or trying with evil is common to man. 
uh, and God makes a way for the Christian to escape through resistance, as we talked about. Uh, but temptation or trying of your faith is for the Christian only, and, and God gives grace to endure through patience, perseverance, and tender mercy. He gives us the grace to endure. James 5.11 says, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen that the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. This second type of temptation is the one that our flesh fights the most. I, I think we dwell on this a lot more than we dwell on uh, the battle with sin, honestly. I, at least that's me. And these are the, the physical and emotional issues. This is the depression, the sadness, the, the, the things that, where the issues of life bear down on us. This is the, the persecutions and suffering, which we'll get into at, at the end of the chapter, so I'm not going to focus on that. And that ties into tribulations and things, um, but we'll save that again for, for the uh, end of chapter 6. And these are the, the deaths and the tragedies that we all go through. These are the hard things. These are the financial burdens. These are life's roadblocks. You lost your job. You got laid off. A uh, car broke down. All, all, all those things. A any of those uh, things in life that we just can't wrap our minds around. There's a lot of negative on the list, but that's just from our perspective. If we, if we look at things from God's perspective, we, we, know, we know these verses, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. If you're saved, all these things work together for good. All these things work together for good. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lead not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So, so these, this list is just a small list. There's many more things, but, but they're, they're the all things, the things we don't understand. These, these all involve God directing our path. They, they are, he's perfecting us. He's increasing our reliance upon him. And each of these things mentioned are burdens and they're difficult to even think about. But, but if, you, if you really look at all these things, it, just in, in the span, in the, in the scope of, of humanity, all these things are going to happen. They're going to happen. And, I don't, and I'm not saying that to be a downer. I'm just saying that sometimes we don't want to accept that these things are going to happen. And, and we don't want to think that it could happen to me. It could, it, it, this could happen to me. I mean, we're all going to die if the Lord tarries. If we don't go up in the rapture, it's going to happen. The problem is that we, it's the circumstances. It's the, it's the timing, right? So if somebody that's 100 years old passes away, we really don't even question the circumstances. It could have been a car wreck, but we don't really, that, that doesn't, we're not, we don't automatically see that as, as a tragic thing necessarily, which it would be because of the circumstances if it was a car accident. But if it was natural causes, then we expect that. But, it, but a young person, you know, you're asking, what, what happened? You know, what, that's tra it's tragic. It's heartbreaking. And, and so, but, but that's what I'm talking about is that, that we, we know these things are going to happen. We just don't understand the timing. We don't understand the circumstances. We don't understand the why. And, and this is where we talk about God directing our path, God's path direction. We struggle, but these, these are the, the hardest things imaginable, and, and, but God tells us in the verses we just read, he says, he says to count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. He says that, that these trials are much more precious than gold. He, he says that well, we ought to glory in tribulations. That's, that's about as counter to our flesh as you can possibly get. 
that, That doesn't sound possible, but it is possible because God enables us to do that because of God's grace, because of his mercy. And, and, and why? Why is that? It's because these things bring about patience, experience, and hope that we may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Wanting nothing. We spend our lives trying to, to accumulate. But can you imagine getting to a point where you want for nothing? It's through the trials that we get there. It's through the trials that we understand God's purpose and plan for our life. And, and it says that hope maketh not ashamed in Romans there, chapter 5. Uh, hope maketh not ashamed, and that means that you're not going to be disappointed at the end result of these things. It, God will not disappoint you. It's going to be hard, and it's going to be sometimes tragic, and it's going to hurt, but you're not going to be disappointed when it's all said and done. And, and, and the reason with that is that, that the end result, the reason for that is that the end result of these things, you get the love of God shed abroad or gushing out in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So we can endure these hard things. This, this shedding abroad of the love of God is not just for us. It's not, it's not just a salve for, for, for you, although it does comfort, it does help. That love of God and understanding that he cares about you, that he, that he cares about everything you're going through, that he sympathizes with your pain and your grief and your suffering, it's not just for us. That love that's shed abroad in our hearts, we have to bear one another's burdens with. God designed it so that we could bear the temporal results of sin in the world, the bad things that happen, and it's all because of sin. It's all because of sin. Death, sickness, heartache, sorrow, all because of sin. But, but, but like those live oak trees, we can bear the burden of these storms of life when we're rooted in Christ and we're connected to each other. And that's, that's why the local church is so important. That's why we're here. And, and the rest of the second half of... Uh, verse 2 in our text, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Why? Because this is the, the love of Christ in action, in practice. This is Christ's love. He went to the cross. He died on the cross. He, he put his love in action for us. We touched on this before, but back in, in uh, chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, it says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. And then Romans 13, we may have read this before as well, 8 through 10, says, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, Namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So bearing one another's burden is the love of Christ in action. It's a demonstration of our faith. It it shows the world that we are Christians because we have that love one for another, because we bear one another's burdens. The world isn't like that. The world isn't like that. It's being like Christ. Hebrews 4.15, we know this verse. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So he was he being touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Christ knew temptation with evil directly from Satan, right? He, he resisted the one, the accuser of the brethren. He resisted him face to face, but he never sinned. He, he understood loss. He knew that Lazarus would die. He knew that Lazarus would die, and he tarried away, and, and, and he allowed Lazarus to die, and there was much grief and heartache 
And what did he do when he got there? He wept. He had compassion. He, he bore their burden. He took it as, on as if he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But he, he bore the burden of the family and friends that were there when Lazarus passed away. He had compassion on them for their loss. So four things quickly. I'm, I'm running short here. How can we bear one another's burdens? One is fellowship. 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanseth us from all sin. We walk in the light as born-again, blood-bought followers of Christ. So we're like-minded. We're equally yoked together. We know about, uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, that unequal yoke. But there's another side to that. See, the unequal yoke is if there's two oxen and they're trying to plow two different fields, that's a disaster. That doesn't work. And that's, that's why we're not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever because they have a different set of priorities and plans and they're going a different direction. You cannot... You're going to get drug off in one way or the other. You, you cannot go the way God wants you to go when you're unequally yoked. But a believer fellowshipping with uh, another believer, two believers in fellowship, they can easily pull the plow. They can do the work. They can share the burden because they have the same master. They have the same objective. We, we have a problem with uh, the world is very understanding of sin. It's very understanding of all your problems. Anything you, you're having an issue with, they are ready to welcome you with open arms. They, they want you to come to the world. And, and there's a temptation in the flesh there to say, you know, the people at church just aren't going to understand. The, you, know, I, 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 you know, I'm overtaken in a fault or I'm, I'm dealing with this burden, this, this hardship. You know, maybe it's a wayward child and it's embarrassing to you. Maybe it's a, a parent, a, a, you know, something, something along those lines that's maybe embarrassing that, that you don't want to face people at church with. Uh, and the temptation is to go out into the world. And it's shipwrecked many lives because the world is an unequal yoke. They, 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 it'll, it'll salve your, your conscience and you'll feel okay for a little while. You'll feel accepted for a little while. But if you're born again, you're not going to fit right. It's not going to work right. It's going to be a disaster for you. And so we talk about this bearing, this, this unequal yoke, the unequal yoke. I lost my place. <clears throat> okay, so the, uh, the second one is, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, yes, fellowship. Iron sharpeneth iron, Proverbs 27, 17. Uh, so man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Uh, sharpeneth is to, to make sharp, severe, fierce. Uh, fellowship is an effective and essential element to Christian life to make us better Christians. It keeps us sharp for spiritual warfare. We're, we're getting prepared to engage, to battle. Uh, and we get that from one another. We get that through fellowship. Uh, there's there's a, a type of uh, corrosion. We talk about iron and iron, but there's a type of corrosion. Uh, if you're mating two type, different types of metals together, there's metals that can't go together because they, they'll corrode and, and they'll lose strength and break apart. Uh, for example, you can't put galvanized steel and titanium together. There's a whole chart, um, and it's just the properties of the metal. They don't interact well with, with one another. And so it is with, you, you're not going to get sharpened by the world. That's a dissimilar metal for you. you. As iron, you cannot go out there and be sharpened by something else, uh, some other type of metal. It's going to cause problems in the long run. So that's, that's one, is fellowship. Two is compassion. First Peter 3, 8, and 9, finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing. 
And we have to have compassion to, to bear one another's burden. Uh, Webster's talks about compassion is painful sympathy. Um, compassion is a mixed passion compounded of love and sorrow. You can't have compassion without love. The, the third thing is comfort. We're to comfort one another. And, and we can see what this looks like in the local church setting. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Why? That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. We are comforted of God so that we can comfort others, so that we can be there for others. And we get, we get comfort from God because he loves us, but it enables us to comfort others. And, and this is the essence of bearing one another's burdens. You've gone through it so you can sympathize with that person. You can, you can align your thoughts with them. You, you can align your feelings. You know all those different aspects of what it's like to, to go through that. You, you know, when they've gone through something, you can say, hey, I, I've been through that too. I've been through something very similar. And it's a comfort to know that someone else has been through it and, and made it through. And the, the last one, and, and I'm a little after, I'm sorry, is uh, prayer. In James 5.16, we're to confess our faults one to another, as we said. We're to, to, to pray for one another, and we're to pray effective working prayers that's, and fervent prayers for one another. And then we have a prayer list for that. If, you, if you're unable to come on Wednesday nights, or if you're, if you're able to come on Wednesday nights, I encourage you to come. We have a time at the end of prayer uh, where we, we go th- you can have the prayer list in front of you and you can go through. Uh, we need to be praying for one another. Go through that prayer list. Really take it to heart. Prayer is so vitally important to bearing one another's burdens. You can't always get over to somebody and you, you may not have always gone through the thing that they're going through, but you can always pray. God knows the need and you can always pray for that person. I'm sorry for going over time. Let me pray quickly and we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace and mercy upon us. Uh, we love you and we, we praise you for your precious son who died in our place on the cross. I ask that you bless the lesson, Lord. I hope it was a help uh, to others as it was to me. Um, and we ask that you bless the, the service to come. Bless our pastor as he brings a message from your word this morning. Help us to worship you in spirit and truth that you may be honored and glorified in the midst of your people this morning. We love you and praise you and thank you for everything you'll do. In Jesus' name, amen.